The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Well, here we are, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Frank. And it's time for another edition of... Ask Frank anything. If you have questions on any subject, please call in. We have a very fun prize for whomever comes up with the best question today. All you have to do is dial 1-800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Please make the questions good, make them creative, make them a little different from what every other radio show in the world is covering so they spur some interesting subject discussion and encourage people to talk with their friends and families that they may encounter this weekend. Make it good, make it original, make it creative. Dial 800-848-9222. Meantime, in New York State, Governor Kathy Hochul has signed legislation to create the commission to study reparations and racial justice. And joining the commission will be Jennifer Jones Austin of the and the State Department of Civil Service Commissioner Timothy Hogus as well as others. I can't tell you how bad of an idea I think this will be. First of all, there is nothing that this commission will do that will make anyone happy. They could come up with a program to give descendants of black slaves $9 billion, similar to what California did. If that's the case, two things will happen. One, the state legislature will never appropriate the money because New York simply doesn't have it. And there will be an incredible amount of displeasure and feelings of cynicism, alienation and unfairness from people that are not the descendants of black slaves, but people who have been the descendants of folks that have faced other forms of discrimination. If this reparations commission doesn't come up with a large sum that they say should be given to descendants of black slaves, then the outcry from the black community is going to be fierce and loud. This is a recipe for disaster. This has worked out incredibly poorly in California. And this is putting aside the whole idea of reparations and why I think it's completely unjust, which I do. But just on a practical level, this is a no-win situation for the governor and the taxpayers. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Well, here's a shock. Someone associated with Eric Adams and his administration has again had their home raided by the FBI. Federal agents yesterday morning raided the home of Adams aide Winnie Greco, marking the latest action from federal law enforcement against a member of the mayor's inner circle. Greco has been an ally of Adams going back a decade, serving as an informal liaison to Chinese-American communities and assisting with his 2021 mayoral campaign. 
Following the raid, City Hall officials confirmed that Greco has been placed on leave from her $100,000 a year role. The goal of the raid was not immediately clear, but Greco recently found herself in the crosshairs of the city's Department of Investigation following reporting by the city that she tried to solicit donations to a nonprofit she ran to grant access to a government event. Now, uh, the important thing to keep in mind here is that Winnie Greco has not been found guilty of anything. She hasn't even been charged, as far as we know, and she's certainly entitled to the presumption of innocence even once she is charged. That being said, how many people in Eric Adams' orbit are getting the full law enforcement treatment? You have his own Department of Buildings commissioner who was forced to resign and is currently awaiting trial by the Manhattan DA. You have six people that raised money for his campaign that have pled guilty. You have the use of straw donors, not just by his 2021 campaign, but by his 2025 campaign as well. You have the woman that ran fundraising for his campaign. She had her home raided by the FBI. And, of course, Adams himself had to surrender his devices. I mean, this guy has already received more scrutiny than any other mayor in my lifetime, including Ed Koch with the City for Sale scandal. I really think there is a troubling pattern here involving Mayor Adams, those around Mayor Adams, both the people that work for him in city government, the people that raised money for him, the people that worked on his campaign, and the contributors to Mayor Adams' campaign, and their complete disregard for the rule of law. It's like they don't think the rules apply to them. And you try to call them out on it, and what's the first thing Mayor Adams and his associates do? They play the race card. Well, no, just because you're black doesn't mean you can't also be a criminal. I'm so tired of hearing all the scrutiny of Mayor Adams is either racially motivated or motivated by a vengeful Justice Department because he spoke out on immigration. I don't think that's the case. I think this guy is really shady, and I think in the fullness of time, we're going to see how shady he is. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Prepare yourself because you may be bowled over by shock and surprise. Someone close to Mayor Adams appears to have ignored the rules or at least bent the rules to try to do a favor for a friend of Eric Adams. Tim Pearson, who is an enigmatic but powerful figure within City Hall, apparently delayed the opening of the Floyd Bennett migrant facility, the Floyd Bennett Field migrant facility. Why? Well, he delayed it in the hopes of ensuring a security contract for Bo Deedle, a former NYPD detective who raised a ton of money for Eric Adams' mayoral campaign and who is a close friend and regular dining companion of Mayor Adams. This is incredible. Last summer, Mayor Adams found himself under pressure to rein in the runaway price tag of sheltering tens of thousands of migrants arriving in the city. So he instructed agency heads to take measures that would curtail costs. And as part of a previously unreported process, city officials began huddling 
to vet vendors for this sprawling tent facility that was set to be constructed on a decommissioned federal military base in Brooklyn, where they saw an opportunity to save money. One top advisor saw this as an opportunity to get a longtime friend of the mayor's in on the work, and that's where Tim Pearson came through. Pearson was working to ensure that this security contract for Bo Deedle came through. Politico New York has an incredible story on this. I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page right now at facebook.com slash Fan. Pearson's attempt to steer a lucrative job opportunity towards Bo Deedle, who runs a Manhattan-based security and private investigation firm, ultimately failed. Yet, this effort underscores the administration's penchant for turning to long-term time allies and campaign services to perform important governmental tasks. And the ties between Eric Adams and Bo Deedle run very deep. You can read this article in Politico New York to see exactly how far back they seem to go and how close these two are. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Will the Republicans of New York State really never learn? They picked George Santos for Congress without really doing the proper vetting. Then uh, they picked Mousy Pillup for Congress, who clearly seemed to be an inferior candidate. And now the more we learn about the candidate that they've picked to run against Kirsten Gillibrand, the worse a pick it seems to be. Not only did he contribute to a lot of Democratic politicians over the years. Now, I'm an independent. I don't have a problem with that. But there are a lot of people that are going to be motivated to go to the polls this year who do have a problem with it. But in an era where Donald Trump is the titular head of the Republican Party, he didn't just contribute to people like Tom Suozzi and Tom DiNapoli. He made a contribution to Letitia James just two years ago. The number one persecutor of Donald Trump, he made a contribution to her. This is going to go over like a lead balloon. Rudy Giuliani was on with my friend Sid Rosenberg right here on 77 WABC yesterday saying this was a very poor pick by the GOP. Uh, You know, that was a terrible choice. I think Andrew and I were the first ones to point out his record because uh, of the particularly because of the contribution to Letitia James. Yeah, it was you, Andrew. By the way, it was you, Andrew, and Johnny Tobacco because he wants Castro Casanova, uh, Cara Casanova, to win. Right? They got two good candidates there, two real Republicans, and I think Cara's the better one. But they have two good ones. Honestly. I don't think Sapricone is going to last. Now, apparently he's telling people that he's staying in the race. I think Cara Castronova, who's running and is apparently in the process of trying to collect signatures, I think she is going to be a very formidable challenger. And I think that could give her a little bit of momentum going into the general election. I don't think... Sapricone, with this record of making contributions to people like Letitia James, can beat Cara Castronova. And if Josh Eisen ends up running as well, I don't think he could beat Josh Eisen anyway. I think if uh, the GOP is serious about trying to win elections in New York State, they have to get serious about screening who they run for statewide office and for Congress. Beam me up! To be continued. <laughs> 